This episode is brought to you by the Biblical Recorder. Southern Baptists work together because we believe in the Great Commission and we believe in one another. But what happens if that trust fades? What happens to our global vision to make Christ known? The Biblical Recorder is committed to Southern Baptist partnership. Their news reporters provide reliable information and inspiring stories, stories that build trust. Connect with them today on social media or check out the latest news at brnow.org. Want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ-centered and clear? Learn with us here on the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Nate and John Aiken here with the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. In the last episode, we looked at the objection that we call the the don't try this at home and that really the apostles can do this, but we were not allowed to use the apostles hermeneutic. And, and we answered that objection and hopefully clearly showed why we are not only can we do this, we, we need to be doing this as we hopefully see Jesus in all the scriptures, mainly wanting to see him for our transformation and growth, sanctification. In this podcast, though, we're going to look at how do you do this? So you might say, okay, guys, I'm convinced I, I would love to, to be able to read the Bible in this way, but how do I do it? You know, and even and even more than that, what what if I'm not a pastor? I haven't, you know, studied theology, you know, I, I'm not I'm not a Jedi, as it were. Is it can I occasionally use the force? Uh, how how do you do this? How do you read the Bible in such a way? What do you do when you approach a passage? Yeah. So the, the way this is often brought to me is like, John, okay, I see that, I love it. I want to see Christ in the whole Bible, but I just don't know how to do it. I was never trained in how to do it. So how do you do it? So I, I always like to point to Elisha and the Bears because, uh, one, it's a it's a pretty engaging story. Two, uh, it's not mentioned in the New Testament, and three, it's a difficult text. Um, and so I, I like to point to that one. And we didn't we don't know what to do. You know, Elisha and the Bears. Uh, Elisha goes to Bethel. These boys come out, start mocking him, calling him baldy. So if you're at home listening, this is this will be found in Second Kings chapter two. If you want to kind of maybe follow along as John walks through this. And so he they they call him baldy. He curses them in the name of the Lord, and two female bears come out of the woods and maul forty two of the boys to death. And so like, what do you do with that? If you go if you go to YouTube and, and type in Elisha and the Bears, you're going to get a string of videos from atheists and skeptics who point to it and say, this is why I'm not a Christian. This is right. why I can't believe in the God of the Bible because he's violent and all these different things. And so what do you do with that? Well, Which is causing some people to say we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. Yeah, it is. And we are going to address later in this season, address Andy Stanley and why we think that's uh, inappropriate and even more so unhelpful. Yeah. Um, but so what do you do with it? I mean, it's so weird and... And it does seem like overkill. Like they, they're yeah, they shouldn't call him baldy, but yeah. to, should they be killed by bears because of it? And so, what exactly is going on there? Um, and then, you know, so what people do is often they kind of do a character study approach, as we've talked about before, and they they try to like come up with some moral tale. And and honestly, the first time I ever read this when I was um, a, a middle schooler. First time I was reading through First, Second Samuel, and then First, Second Kings. Uh, I'd read a chapter of the Bible a night before I went to bed, and uh, so I was reading through it and came to this text, and I got I got kind of scared, and <laughs> the reason was because I had. Uh, made fun of a man of God's hair, and you may want to share that story. Yeah, and I really don't remember who 
specifically came up with the nickname, but uh, if you don't know, John and I have two other brothers, so we grew up. We have a father who we do deeply respect. We've learned a ton from, but as we were growing up, he was starting to have a receding hairline on basically on both sides of of his uh, forehead, which made his hair for a time sort of look like the state of Florida. And so one of our brothers, we'll probably just say it was one of the other two. Yeah. We don't remember who did this, came up with the nickname, uh, the sweet nickname, Peninsula Head. And so sometimes we would refer to our dad as Peninsula Head. So you're reading this text and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I could get this. uh, This could go bad for me because I've, you know, he's a man of God. He's he's my hero and I've I've mocked his hair. And so, but that's what people do is they turn into a moral tale of respect your elders. Right. um, and that's not, ex- again, you should respect your elders, but that's not what's going on in this text. Right. And so, how do you- yeah, they're not, we'll talk about this, but they're not being condemned, as it were, because of he's an, he's their elder. It's it's even deeper than that. Right, it's not right. rudeness to an elder right. That's, right. that's being uh, punished there. Um, and so, so how do you do this? How do you, how do you read this? And so the first thing I would say you need to do uh, in order to... Um, to understand uh, whatever story or whatever text you come to in the Old Testament is you've got to put it in context, which means you put it in the immediate context of what's happening in Second Kings, and then you put it in the, the biblical context of what's happening. So in the context, Second Kings 2 is functioning uh, right before this episode at Bethel with the, with the boys and the bears. This is functioning to show the passing of the baton from the prophet Elijah to the prophet Elisha. And so leading up to uh, this encounter, Elijah and Elisha are going to all these towns, okay? And and Elisha knows that Elijah is about to be taken away from him. And they go, and so he's like, I'm going to spend as much time with you as I can. And they're going to all these towns. And every time they go to a town, the sons of the prophets come out to Elisha and they're like, don't you know the Lord's going to take your master from over you today? And Elisha says... Yeah, I know. Hush up about yeah, it. Please don't talk. stop talking about it. And so they go uh, to uh, Bethel, and then they go to Jericho, and then they go to the Jordan River, and then the Jordan River is parted to the right hand and the left. They cross over on dry ground, and then Elijah's about to be taken away, and Eli- he says, "Ask of me what you want." I, Elijah says, "I want a double portion of your spirit," and and then he's taken up into heaven uh, in the this whirlwind, this chariots of fire. He's taken up into heaven. And then Elisha takes up the mantle and Mm -hmm. then he parts the waters of the Jordan River right and left. And he crosses over on dry ground. He goes to Jericho. Then he goes to Bethel. Okay. And so that's the context of what's going on, this passing of the torch, so to speak. So before you jump to the the next thing, so one, you are saying put it in the context and we're going to talk about that, what you even just kind of walk through as far as how this points to Christ. Now would be a good time to hear from our sponsor, The Biblical Recorder. News moves faster than ever. Trying to keep up can be exhausting. Social media is great, but we all know how toxic it can be. Sometimes I wish news reporters could just text me the information I need and answer my question. Well, that's exactly why The Biblical Recorder created BR Connect, a text messaging service that keeps you up to speed with daily updates and live news alerts. No more trolls, no more bots, no more keyboard warriors to hijack your Southern Baptist news stories. For just $3 a month, you can have direct access to a team of award-winning journalists. They'll send you news before it breaks, and you can text them back with questions or comments anytime. You won't find a better way to stay in the loop. Go to brnow.org backslash connect to subscribe. It comes with a 14-day free trial, and you can cancel at any time. Again, sign up today at brnow.org backslash connect. The Biblical Recorder is here to help you find the information and inspiration you need. One of the objections that 
so particularly when it comes to not just reading the Bible, but when it comes to preaching the Bible in a Christ-centered way that we hear a lot is, well, I mean, what people do is they just jump straight to Jesus. They don't, uh, they don't really deal with the text. And, and you would say that that can be an appropriate objection that we would say that is not good Christ-centered preaching. Yeah, that's a that, anybody who does that is not doing good Christ-centered preaching, and that's a that's a a helpful objection. Right. That anybody who who um, claims to be wants to be a Christ-centered preacher or reader of the Bible, this kind of beeline to the cross that Spurgeon talks about. Again, I I think I understand what Spurgeon's saying in context, but you don't want to springboard that the text, the, your passage is not a diving board that you just touch foot on one time and then dive off into whatever you want right. to talk about. So like when you or I are preaching, we are actually trying to explain what the original audience would have heard when, you know, right. when they were, and that's again, a complicated that's what I spent the last what, couple of minutes doing right, is explaining same. in context, this is what's happening. So the original hearers are knowing and, and, and so you're trying to show why does this matter to Israel? Why does this matter to right. the Old Covenant? And then, and then you're kind of building out concentric circles from there, eventually finding its culmination in Jesus. And so, as we are encouraging that, we we do want you to we want to encourage you to really deal with the context and the text uh, where it's at, and then you know use that to then uh, build your way towards Jesus, mm-hmm. not jump just straight to right. Jesus. Read the text and take it seriously, and and get to know the words of the text. The second thing that I do, so put it in context. Second is notice the patterns you see later. Again, the Book of Hebrews talks about types or shadows. These are just patterns, clues. Maybe say you're a detective who's looking for clues, patterns. Notice the patterns that you see later. So what's happening in this text that seems familiar to something that's going to happen later? And so again, 2 Kings chapter 2, what's happening? The the man of God, the, 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 the prophet of God, his ministry on earth is done. Mm-hmm. So he ascends into heaven and leaves his spirit on his follower who's to carry on his mission after he's gone. Yeah. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, this clearly is a link to the ascension, right? right? And in the ascension, Jesus leaves his spirit uh, on his followers so they can continue his work when he's gone, which is interesting. Elisha says, I want a double portion of your spirit. Which people point out, and there may there may be some disagreement about this, but if you if you go and read and count them, Elijah performed fourteen miracles during his ministry. Elisha performed twenty eight, hmm. so double the amount of miracles uh, that Elijah did. And then you have Jesus saying, like when the Spirit comes, you're going to do greater works than I've done. You're going to do more than I've done uh, when the Spirit comes upon you. And so so you see that pattern. Uh, of what's going to happen later. And that helps you see how this points to Jesus. So in one sense, as you're reading this text, you're thinking, I'm a, a disciple. I'm a disciple of Christ. And the, Elisha left the plow, went right. and followed Elijah. Right. The disciples left the fishing nets. They went and followed Jesus. They received Jesus' spirit so they can then be his ministers in the world. And we as followers of Christ, we've received the spirit if we're believers, and then we're to go out as his missionaries in the world. So in some way, Elijah points to Jesus. He's the great prophet. He points to Jesus as the final prophet. We're his followers. We're to carry on his work um, after he's gone. And so notice the patterns that you see later. The third thing that I do is try to notice the flashbacks. Like a flashback is a device that a director or an author will use to show some event that happened in the past that has continuing significance in the future. And so uh, there's a show on NBC called This Is Us that is almost completely doing that. Flashback to the parents of these who are now in the present, these adult children, these three adult uh, siblings. And it's flashing back to the past and the the things that happened with their parents when they were young that have continuing significance on them right. in the present and on into the future. Uh, Godfather Godfather 2, the, the second movie, is doing this. It's paralleling the life of Michael at the same age as Vito earlier yeah. in Sicily and when he came to, first came to New York. 
And so the flashback to what happened to Vito and how it's having significance in Michael's life now. And so authors use that. The authors of scripture are, they're using words and they're, they're, very selective in the way they use words and they're they're doing things they're embedding clues in the text that they expect their readers to see and to get they don't always have to be so explicit about it so so for when we talk about noticing the flashbacks the author of Second Kings doesn't, when he says that the Jordan River parted to the right and the left and they walked across on dry ground, he doesn't have to say, hey, remember the Exodus in Exodus 14? Right. Hey, remember the, the Jordan River in Joshua 3 and 4? They all know it. He knows this is a part of their mental makeup. That, so this is a flashback. He's intentionally embedding this in the text. And so one of the things you're going to do when we're talking about flashbacks is you're going to have to ask yourself questions when you're reading the Old Testament of uh, in these stories why did he put this story in there? Right. And why is he mentioning these specific places? Of all the places that Elijah and Elisha went, of all the adventures that Elijah and Elisha had, why these places? Why these adventures? Um, again, of all the thousands of years of Israelite history, what we have in the Bible is a re- is is a focus on a relatively small amount of time right. uh, in, in, in what's happening uh, because the authors are selecting those stories because they have significance. And so you're, you're saying, notice the flashbacks. One... Crossing on dry ground, okay, we, we know that this is something that's happened in the past, in the Exodus and in the conquest, okay? You're looking at, in terms of flashbacks, what cities are they going to? They go to Bethel, and then they go to Jericho, and then they cross the Jordan River, and they cross the Jordan River uh, to the east. Right. And so now they're on the west side of the Promised Land, uh, on the on the east side of the Jordan River. And so what's happening here is they're, they're replaying in reverse— the movements of the Exodus and the conquest. When Israel came out of Egypt and they wandered along in the desert, they came along to the east side of the Jordan River. They're there in the plains of Moab. And then they crossed over the Jordan River on dry ground. First city they went to was Jericho. The second city they went to was Ai, which is where Bethel is in this story. And so they're replaying, they're undoing the Exodus, and then they're redoing the Exodus. Why? What's the author communicating? Well, the author is communicating that there needs to be a new Exodus and there needs to be a new conquest. Why? Well, what was the purpose of the conquest? The purpose of the conquest wasn't just kick the Canaanites out and live there. Like this is some kind of like modern, you know, you know, the colonies kicking out the Indians or something like that. The, the point in Deuteronomy and Leviticus was you're to rid the land of idolatry. Right. The land has been defiled by idolatry. You're to get rid of idolatry. Well, the problem is when Elisha's now ministering, they have returned to worship of the Baals. And idolatry is the national religion of Israel. Mm. And so the author is showing Elijah and Elisha reversing the Exodus and then coming back in in the movements of the conquest, they're communicating what? There needs to be a new conquest. Right. And he's communicating Elisha is the new Joshua. Yeah. Okay. Now, again, the flashbacks help us understand this. First of all, their names mean similar, uh, have similar names. Joshua means the Lord saves. Elisha means my God is salvation. But And Jesus, similar. Jesus and, and Joshua is Yeshua, Jesus. But again, you're, as you're talking about flashbacks, what happens on the east side of the Jordan River in the past? Well, the east side of the Jordan River is where D- Moses dies and they can't find his body, right? Yeah. It's where he commissions Joshua. Joshua receives the spirit and then leads the people of Israel across the Jordan River on dry ground, goes to Jericho, then goes to Bethel. Okay, Which is AI, yeah. So here, in a very similar parallel fashion, Elijah doesn't die, but they can't find his body. He ascends yeah. into heaven. He leaves his spirit on, he commissions Elisha, leaves the spirit on Elisha, and Elisha crosses on dry ground, goes to Jericho, then goes to Bethel. Okay? Now, as you're talking about patterns, you see 
backwards and the patterns you see forward. This is the exact same thing that happens in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus, John the Baptist, is baptizing where? On the east side of the Jordan River. Yep. Gospel John tells us. Who is John the Baptist? He's the new Elijah. He's the new Elijah. Uh, when he baptizes Jesus, what happens? The spirit, spirit. falls. Yep. Yep. And then he crosses over and, and begins his ministry. Uh, and just like Elisha, it's a ministry of uh, salvation and judgment. And so we'll see. So what, what the author is communicating with this flashback is Elisha is the new Joshua, and he's going to perform a new conquest because we need to rid the land yeah, of idolatry. idolatry yeah. And this is going to come to fruition with um, the Lord telling him, anoint Jehu as king, and Jehu's responsibility is to blot out the house of Ahab mm-hmm. and to rid the land of idolatry, cut down the, you know, the high places and the shrines and the idols. And Jehu does that and then falls right back into idolatry again. So he's not. And Jehu rides in on a donkey and and, and all these all these right. different things. And so there's parallels there, but he's not the final king. Right. They, need a, they need a better king than Jehu. Um but so we see he's the new he's the new Joshua. Right. Okay. So again, while Elisha is not explicitly connected to Christ in the New Testament, Joshua is. Right. And the Old Testament author is explicitly connecting Elisha to Joshua. Joshua. And therefore, we can see in this line from Joshua to Elisha to Jesus how this pattern is fulfilled. And then the last thing that you do is you notice the good news of salvation and the warning of judgment. Um, and I think this is. Uh, Jim Hamilton, uh, my friend who wrote a book called God's Glory and Salvation Through Judgment, argues that the central message of the Bible is that God shows his glory by saving people through judgment. And if he's right about that, that means every passage of the Bible in some way depicts God's glory in the way that he holds sinners accountable and is merciful to sinners at the same time, right? And this is instructive in terms of Christ-centered reading is because the place where the judgment of God and the mercy of God climaxes is in the cross of Jesus Christ, right? Romans 3, God is both just and justifier of the one who has faith in in Christ. And so um, so we need to look in every passage you're in, you're going to see some aspect of God's judgment, holding sinners accountable, but also God's mercy, him saving sinners. And that's what we see here in this story. The, the thing that happens immediately before the bears at Bethel is Elisha goes to Jericho and Jericho should be an oasis city, but it's been cursed because of uh, Joshua and the battle at Jericho. And so Elisha, like his forerunner Joshua, reverses the curse. Right. So he throws salt in the water and the land becomes fruitful uh, and it now brings life instead of death. And this is a preview of Elisha's saving ministry right. uh, and a saving ministry that's that's depicted as what? Well, he he heals lepers. Widow's son. He he raises the dead. Right. He multiplies bread. Yep. I mean, does that sound like anybody else? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jesus, right? Um, <laughs> and so, do you, yeah, do you know him? <laughs> he, um, and so you have a saving ministry of Elisha, but you also have this judging ministry where he's going to judge idolatry. Well, what is Bethel? So he goes to Bethel. Bethel is the central shrine city of the Northern Kingdom. This is where uh, previous kings had set up a shrine with, with a new golden calf. Hmm. Okay. And so when these boys come out, now some people think they're not boys at all. When it says the, the same word it uses for them is the word that's used of the peers of Rehoboam uh, in 1 Kings 12. So these may be young men or, right. or at least late teenagers. Uh, so they may not be boys at all. Some people think they may be like attendance at the shrine right. for Baal. So they're like Baal seminary students or something. Right. Um, and so, but either way, there's, there's either one of two things going on. Either when they say, go up baldy, they're either saying, hey, you're the prophet of God 
and the word of God is no good here, and so you need to get out of here. Their forefathers had instituted Bethel as the shrine city, right. and so it's showing that the, the sons are just like their fathers. Right. Their fathers rejected the word of God, now the sons are rejecting the word of God, and so God's going to hold that accountable. Mm. God's going to bring judgment. The other thing that could be is they're not rejecting the word of God, but they're rejecting the man of God. So when they say, go up baldy, earlier in the, in the story, when Elijah and Elisha are going from town to town, and the sons of the prophets are saying, don't you know that the Lord's going to take your master from over you today? The word there in the Hebrew is literally the word head. The Lord's going to take your head away from you today. Yeah. And so there's some scholars who think that Elisha may not have been bald at all, but that these boys or these young men are saying, hey, you no longer are protected. You no longer are covered. Um, you had Elijah covering you as your head. He could call fire down out of heaven. You can't. He's gone. You can't. You need to get out of here before something bad happens to you. So they're either rejecting the word of God or they're rejecting the man of God, which means they're rejecting God. Yeah. And so as a result, God holds them accountable. And so Elisha says, well, I can't call fire to heaven maybe, but I can call bears out of the woods. But he didn't just hold them accountable. And it just with any kind of judgment, he holds them accountable with judgment we've seen earlier that he's promised to, to, to yeah, have right. happened. In yeah. Leviticus, the Lord says, if you refuse me, if you deny me, if you reject me, I'm going to send the wild animals to deprive you of your children. Mm. Right. And so, so this is an act of judgment. But it's also an act of mercy. This is a warning to the nation. If you persist in idolatry, then the wild beasts are going to come in and they're going to deprive you of your land, which is exactly what happens, right? Assyria comes in, takes them out of their land. Babylon comes in with the southern kingdom, takes them out of their land. And how is that described in mm. Daniel as the wild beasts coming and ravaging the land? And so this is, yes, it's judgment, but it's a warning. Hey, there's a chance to repent and there's a chance to get this right. And so you're asking, where do I see Salvation, mercy, where do I see judgment? Ultimately, this culminates in Jesus and the gospel, which is an aroma of life and a life for those who believe and death and a death for those who reject him. It's interesting. So um, you, you see Elijah is taken up. Uh, Moses is in the same place as it dies, but they, they can't find his body. I mean, it's, it's and then... So draw those parallels. Yeah. So it, it is interesting. There's, there's, there's three people where there's a search party kind of sent out and they can't find the body. We're not talking about Enoch. Okay. We're not talking about Enoch who just goes to heaven right. and Genesis doesn't tell us that there's no search party, but Moses dies, is buried, but they can't find his body. They have no idea where the burial site is. And that's on the east side of the Jordan River. Elijah is caught up into heaven and they send out a search party, can't find him after three days, interestingly enough. And then Jesus, when he dies and is raised from the dead and they're, they're looking and they can't, they can't produce the body. Right. Um, and incidentally, those are the three who show up at the Mount of Transfiguration. Yeah. So it's very intriguing. Yeah. That'll preach. Um, well, in the next uh, episode, we are going to look at, uh, won't this, we're going to look at another objection of, won't this make all of our application the same? So that's something that's kind of lobbied against this. We'll, we'll answer that objection. Again, want to hear from you. So please interact with us. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are, questions you may have. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com. And please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.